My name is Jeremy Devins, and welcome to the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. Today is episode number seven, How to Choose a Yoga Teacher Training. This episode is brought to you by my own online yoga teacher training, the Quiet Mind Yoga Teacher Training at quietmind.yoga slash YTT. And registration opens in just two weeks, 9-9-19 for the fall 2019 class. If you're listening to this after that, you can still check out that link and get on the waiting list for the next class. So if you've listened to my other episodes already, you might notice I like to be structured and to the point. When I'm teaching something, I want it to be really clear and easy for you to follow. So I'm breaking this episode down into five different areas to look at. So if you're thinking about teaching, taking a teacher training, there's, these are the five areas you can look at and consider and see what's right for you. So the first one is, why do you want to take a teacher training? Is it personal growth? Do you want to teach other people? Do you want to give back because you've practiced yoga for a long time? Maybe you're brand new to yoga and you want to learn all about it. And you figure taking teacher training, you're going to have to learn everything there is to know. So it's a good way to dive into it if you're new. Maybe you just want to go deeper. Maybe you practiced a little bit and you know there's more to yoga. You think a teacher training would be a great way to dive in. Maybe you want to transition into a career in yoga. You think that maybe it's something you'd love to do. Maybe you've always been drawn to teaching. Maybe you are a teacher in another field. Or maybe you just want to have a side job doing something you love and you want to keep your career that you have and maybe take on a couple classes teaching one to three times a week on the side. Or maybe just in general to improve your health or your practice. Or something else that I didn't say. Maybe there's some other thing that's drawing you to yoga, and it's particularly a yoga teacher training. So whatever it is, I think it's really important to get clear on what that is. Like, what is your why? What's calling you to explore this path to begin with? Because that's going to shape where you look, and that's going to shape what kind of teacher you might want to work with or what teacher training you might want to take. So that's the first thing to consider is why do you want to take a teacher training? I think it's helpful to hear stories. So I'm going to share my own story of how I ended up in my first teacher training. I uh, began meditation around 2006 or so. I was around age 20. Uh, I found it very helpful to getting out of uh, depression that I was struggling with at the time. I was mainly making music was my main thing. I had a full-time job just uh, working, just physical manual labor to make money. But I was uh, making music in all my free time and I loved it. Um, but I wasn't feeling very happy and satisfied with that ultimately. Like I didn't really relate to, you know, going out to bars and staying up late or people doing drugs. Like I never got into any of that stuff, but I liked the music part. Uh, and then on my free time, you know, as I started to realize that just making music and working wasn't very satisfying and very healthy mentally, I, I sought out uh, meditative practices and different teachers and started doing regular meditation and uh, that helped me a lot. I started to feel a lot better uh, emotionally. And that led me to exploring and finding out about yoga about two or three years into that meditation practice. And around 2008, I finally tried my first yoga class and loved it. Right? And actually, I did do, I worked out pretty regularly before that. I was very into health and fitness, but uh, it was all about music and work basically and the fitness was just kind of squeezed in on the sides uh, and I loved it and I, it was very important to me but I felt like this sort of 
drive in me. Like I had to be a musician. Like that was my path and this is who I am. And I kind of built it up to this point that it was all overwhelming and I made it really big. Um, I put a lot of pressure on myself that I, I didn't really realize at the time. But going to a yoga class, I felt like uh, permission to just be myself. Like I felt that pressure lift off of me. Slowly over time, I felt more permission to just be healthy, to enjoy being healthy, to actually enjoy being happy. And uh, I would actually make fun of people for being happy or being, you know, like fake. I would think everybody was fake if they were happy because I had my own, you know, I had my own personal stuff going on, my own neurotic things like we all do. And uh, the yoga and meditation really helped me start to become aware of those patterns that weren't actually helpful and those limiting beliefs that I had. And, and really, I started to orient my life instead of around this idea of like, this is who I am. I'm a musician and I have to be a musician and I have to be successful with that. Instead, I oriented my life around what feels right to me because I was fortunate to have great teachers who encouraged me to listen to my body rather than to say like, this is how you have to do it and there's only one way or anything like that. It was all about listening to my body and listening to my inner knowing. And my inner knowing was like, you know, this yoga thing is an identity at this point. It's like a, it's a, it's a pressure. It's a have to, it's not a want to anymore. It used to be like uh, something that brought me a lot of joy and fun and the joy and fun had just been sucked out of it and drained out of it. And now I was finding that in yoga practice, but also in other areas of my life and just exploring the things I was learning there and finding more my own self-expression and freedom. And my music actually got better and I became more playful and expressive through the music. And I wanted to learn more about this yoga thing and I just kept going deeper into it. Uh, so I started practicing every day and I realized the days I didn't practice, I felt a lot more off-center. And the days I did practice, I felt more centered, more happy, more myself, really. So I knew there was more to this beyond just, you know, the regular practices. So I started to um, follow this woman online. And uh, it's actually a website that still exists now called yogatoday.com. And a woman named Sarah Klein on there, who taught this sort of blend of kundalini and hatha yoga. And I didn't know what any of the styles were. I didn't even know like there were styles of yoga. It's all just yoga to me. So I was just practicing that regularly. And it got to the point where I had watched every video on the website and uh, I could actually repeat what she was saying. And there was a time with my girlfriend who we were both practicing this regularly and, uh, you know, we didn't have internet for a day or two. So we, I just led us through a yoga practice, basically repeating everything that I heard Sarah say a million times. So I, that was essentially my first time teaching somebody and realizing, oh, I actually kind of know this stuff a little better than I thought. And I've picked it up just from hearing it over and over again, that repetition. And that started to make me feel a little more confident and interested that maybe I could be a teacher. Maybe, you know, maybe I don't want to like teach a class or, you know, become, a, make it my job, but, you know, maybe I could, because I've always been interested in health and nutrition. And I, one of my first jobs was at GNC and I, I love learning about health and especially preventative health. Um, so I explored that and I actually did some personality assessments. You know, I was in my early 20s trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. And maybe this music thing isn't the only option. And I think the more I felt like it was the only option, the more pressure I felt and the more sort of inauthentic it felt. And it was just like this ego thing. So the, the 
assessments I took actually pointed to being a yoga teacher or a fitness instructor of some sort, because I've always been interested in anatomy and health and wellness and meditation and all this stuff. So I figured I could put it all together. And, you know, even if I don't actually be a teacher, at least I'll get to learn all these skills and maybe I'll be like a personal trainer instead. I actually thought about that in the past. Uh, but I decided to just pursue this and, and follow through. And I went to an info session with uh, a teacher in Austin, Texas, and didn't really know much about the studio or the teacher. And uh, I went into the the info session and they're like, all right, so who's here for Kundalini and who's here for Hatha? Hatha people go into this room, Kundalini people in that room. And like I said, I didn't really even know that there were different styles of yoga at the time. So I was like, I guess I like this guy, so I'll stay in this room with him. And that turned out to be Matab Benton who founded Yoga Yoga in Austin, Texas. And it was the Kundalini teacher training and uh, it was awesome. It was a great investment and one of the best things I've ever done with my life, of course, and I wouldn't be here otherwise without that. And I'm incredibly grateful for him as a teacher and what I learned through that training. Uh, but I wouldn't have done it if I didn't start to really look at my life and where I was at and have to make this choice between, you know, I'm liking going to yoga classes and practicing yoga at home in the morning every day. And I'm not so much liking staying out late and going to the bar and, and trying to perform at this bar. And I don't even drink and I don't even like staying up late. Uh, but this is, you know, usually what you have to do to make it as a musician. It's not the only way, but it was kind of where I kept ending up. So I was like, this is just not me. You know, I don't want to be in this environment. I like this other environment. So I pursued it and I explored it and I went down that path and did my first teacher training and loved it and immediately wanted to do another one. So I did a Hatha yoga teacher training and then a mentorship and, and several other advanced trainings after that and explored other trainings. But that was essentially that that initial decision came from this desire and this realization that this one area of my life was out of alignment and I felt more in alignment through my yoga practice. So I wanted to learn more and teacher training was the best way I could find to learn more and to possibly become a teacher. But really had no expectations uh, of where I'd end up and definitely wouldn't have guessed that I'd have a yoga teacher training podcast a few years later, but here we are. Uh, so that was my story of how I decided to take my teacher training. Uh, so the next area I would like you to focus on and think about if, as you're choosing your teacher training is choosing a teacher that you know, like, and trust who is experienced. So this is where I came to in my Kundalini training with meeting Matab. And uh, I remember just thinking, this guy just seems like a cool old hippie from Texas, which is essentially true. <laughs> and, uh, and he said some cool things in the, the info session and I resonated with it. And it's like, all right, I could hang out with this guy for you know nine months is how long the training was. And it turned out to be a, a great choice and a great investment. But I actually didn't know much about him, so I decided to take a couple of his classes and see what his class was like and what his presence was like and get a feel for it. And right away I knew like, okay, this is cool, I resonate with this, and I could study with this guy. So I definitely knew I wanted to sign up for the training at that point. And that's the same advice that I give to everybody when they ask me, like, what do you think about this school or this teacher or this training? I always just say, well, have you practiced with them? And what do you know about them? Do you like them? Do you resonate with them? 
because everybody's going to find, you know, different things that they like and different people. So my opinion, you know, I do have some experience and perspective. So I'll usually share that. But I, I always say just just go and try their class because you might think find things that, you know, I don't see that resonate with you. So if you're thinking about doing a particular training with a particular teacher, I definitely recommend you you study with them, you practice with them at least a few times because you're going to be spending a lot of time and investing a lot of your time and attention and energy with them. You want to make sure that it's a good fit. Like you feel like you have something to learn from them and you resonate with their way they teach and you think that you could see yourself in them in some ways. Like there are certain things that they do that you also want to be able to do. And I always find the best way to learn anything is to find someone who's already done it and just emulate them and learn from them, ask them questions and just do what they did for a while until you kind of find, okay, I see why they're doing that and I like this part and I'm going to take this part and add my own thing, right? So you kind of build on it. Uh, one of my teachers, Cable, would say uh, every yoga teacher is just a ninja in spandex. You're going to class and you're, you're stealthily noticing things that you want to steal and apply in your own classes, which I think is not actually a problem at all because it's really we're learning as students and then we're processing it and then sharing it as teachers, which is the same three-phase process that I teach in my teacher training where it's not like a big deal. It's just like you just go learn things, you apply them, you try them, and then you share them. And it's not like this super complicated thing of like needing to figure it all out. It's just showing up and practicing and then sharing what you've learned. So it's important that you have someone that you like to practice with and then you have things to learn from and it feels resonant, resonant and relevant to you and your practice. And you see how you could use those same skills to help others. The third thing to consider is what is the curriculum? So unfortunately, the standards to being a certified or registered yoga teacher are actually really low. And pretty much anybody who uh, sends in their money to <laughs> Yoga Alliance and, uh, you know, there is some validation. There are some checks and balances in place, but uh, there's no regulation of it. So one yoga school could be teaching this curriculum that's entirely focused on just vigorous asana and nothing else. And that you could still you can get registered there and be an RYT 200. Uh, or you can go to another school where it's nothing but gentle yoga and you're only learning how to work with seniors with injuries for 200 hours and you get a registered yoga teacher training 200 hour certificate there. Uh, so this is a big disparity and there's a, there's a big gap there that I think it's important to specialize in things and it's important to find your own unique expression and find teachers who have their own unique expression. But you, I think as a teacher, I think it's very important as I've been teaching now for many years and seeing the value in being very well-rounded is very helpful. At least for me, my approach, I'm a big follower of Krishnamacharya, who taught BKS Iyengar and Patabi Joyce and his son Desi Kachar. And they're all very different teachers and very different styles. Uh, Iyengar yoga, Ashtanga yoga, and uh, well, Desi Kachar is, used to be called Vini yoga, but it's just Hatha yoga essentially. That's very adaptive to the individual. So this one teacher taught three very different students, very different styles, and they went on to be very successful. So I'm always interested in, well, what did Krishnamacharya teach? Because that is sort of the root of it all. There's something that's common between all of those teachers that he taught, and he was able to adapt his teaching to the student in front of him. And I think it's really important as a teacher to have that skill because 
if you just try to teach one thing and say this is the only way to do it, what always happens invariably that I've seen every time over the years is somebody gets injured. There's no escaping it. Like you can try to do one thing exactly the same all the time, like a vigorous practice that's really intense or whatever, you're gonna get injured. Like your body just needs to adapt. Like you can't just do the same repetitive motions over and over again, you've got to adapt. Your body needs strength and flexibility. And it doesn't need extreme flexibility in just some areas. It needs a wide range of uh, movement, mobility, flexibility, stability, right? So you've gotta balance all these things out. and. It's really important that your curriculum addresses these things. It's really important that your curriculum addresses the history of yoga and how we got to this point. There's, it's actually amazing how difficult it is to find a very clear timeline of yoga. And in creating my teacher training, just to create a very simple one-page thing that you could reference that's like, okay, here is the history of yoga, black and white, step-by-step, step, here's what's happened didn't exist and I had to create it myself and do a lot of research and check things and there's there's people saying different things but there is a well agreed upon consensus consensus buried in all of the text and uh, information out there but usually what I learned in my trainings and they were very good trainings but I learned pieces of it and I learned really important pieces of it but I didn't see the big picture until I personally created this document that puts it all together so I didn't understand how Buddhism really related to yoga or Jainism really related to yoga or how they overlapped and how they informed each other. I had some idea of it, but at least for me, I'm also a visual learner and I wanna see it just laid out right in front of me, black and white, and not just kind of be told loosely like, well, this happened and that kind of happened and you know, and then there was this teacher. Uh, so yeah, I've experienced that that can happen in teacher trainings where it's kind of loose and it's like, okay, well, there, there's this sort of loose teaching and, and transmission of like, this is what happened and that's what happened. Bhagavad Gita is very important, Upanishad is very important, but what's the sort of chronology there and how did it all fit together and how did it build on each other? Because there's actually a very interesting sort of progression that's happened in yoga history to get to where we are now that it's very important to factor in Tantra's influence and Patanjali's influence and the Pradipika and all these different things that are kind of glazed over, at least I've seen in a lot of trainings. So there's that aspect. There's the anatomy, right? And anatomy is a, a big, huge subject as well that the things that I've learned in my own practice in the recent years, like I did not learn them through yoga teacher training. And I've heard this from other teachers that yoga in itself can be almost like an echo chamber where Teachers will just say like, okay, this is the alignment for this pose. And you say, well, why? And it's, well, this is just the way it is. And okay, why? Why do we do chaturanga, up dog, down dog so many times in a class? You know, why do we put our arm here and not there? So these are very important things to understand anatomically. So you wanna make sure the curriculum addresses that as well, right? So you're looking for a very well-rounded curriculum because for me, that it creates a lot of gaps if you don't have that. And I think it's important to just to learn in general. There's a lot of value in that and a lot of growth that happens through that. But it's very important that there's a structure and plan and big picture overview that you can see and that you can understand. This fits with that in this way. And this is why I'm learning anatomy. And this is why it's so helpful to know the history and philosophy of yoga. This is why it's so helpful to understand the business of yoga and the ethics of yoga. So there's so many pieces that go into a really solid, well-rounded curriculum that I think it's important to find someone who thinks like Krishnamacharya, at least in my perspective, right? I'm not like 
really hung up on that, but I think it's important to at least think like somebody who can teach student A exactly what they need and know that they're probably very different than student B who needs something very different. And you know how to address and adapt to those needs. I think that's the kind of skill and uh, awareness that yoga really needs more than ever now as more and more people are coming to the yoga class. And it's it's like, I don't know, one in three now have, have done yoga in America or practiced yoga. Maybe, uh, I don't know, the stats are crazy. It's just, there's more people than ever practicing. So that means more different experiences, different bodies, different backgrounds. So how are you going to help them? Right? Are you going to just tell them everybody does this one-size-fits-all yoga practice? I don't think that really works. I don't think that's sustainable. So I think you need a curriculum that addresses those specific needs, that addresses the core competencies of yoga, which I've laid out. There's, I, I believe there's 10 core competencies, and I believe that it's important to learn in phases. Right. So my way isn't the only way, but from a lot of experience and uh, trial and error, I've found that it does help to have these things in place. So ask questions, see if you can see their teacher training manual, talk to the lead teacher, get some ideas and feedback. You know, how does it all fit together for you? What's the big picture? Uh, what texts are required and why? And how do they relate to each other? How does it relate to my teaching? Right, so ask questions and get to know like what is the curriculum and what are they teaching? So you're not just getting this, you know, this drive-through 200-hour teacher training. Now I'm a registered teacher, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So that's a common problem, and that's a real issue, right? Uh, it's not like massage or other modalities where it's like there's a real strong, solid curriculum or like Chinese medicine or being an acupuncturist, right? It's very thorough, and you got to really know your stuff. And I think yoga is easily on that same level where we've got to really know our stuff because we're essentially like psychotherapists, psychologists, uh, metaphysical teachers, uh, anatomy teachers, posture teachers, uh, breath awareness teachers, right? So there's so much that goes into it that it's very important that we're aware of how it all fits together and, and why we're doing the things we're doing. And then the fourth area to consider is just the logistics, like the schedule. Does the timing work for you? Is the location work for you? Uh, the cost of it? Is it uh, online or in person? Uh, so the Yoga Alliance is an important consideration that is a little misunderstood. Uh, yoga Alliance is essentially a registry that you put your name into and they put you on their website, but they don't actually regulate things in the same way that, again, like in uh, Chinese medicine or massage therapy. Hopefully it gets to that point. Uh, the International Alliance of Yoga Therapists, to be a yoga therapist is a lot more closely regulated and a stronger curriculum, but a much bigger investment and commitment. Uh, so that's moving in the right direction. But the Yoga Alliance is actually mainly a registry and it doesn't actually regulate and, and quantify and check the quality and, and standards of the teacher trainings and the teachers. Hopefully that will change in the future, but for now, it's not that important. And actually most of my teachers, I, I, I've asked them and the teachers I've worked with many times for many years, uh, I've asked them a few times over the years and they say, you know, I'm not registered with the Yoga Alliance. Like, it's not necessary. It's unfortunate. Like I hope that it gets to that point where it does really matter. Um, but that's, you know, and that's, that's something I had to consider in making my online teacher training because they don't call, they don't uh, recognize online teacher trainings yet. 
Uh, so I had to choose not to use, you know, I could make an in-person training and be able to use the Yoga Alliance, but I chose to make it online because I feel like that's really the place to learn. And through my podcast, I've been able to reach people all over the world who I just won't be able to reach in person and be able to do an in-person training. And the way I learn really well is, is online and being able to replay and listen to these things over and over again. If I was able to review and listen to my teacher training program, you know, the ones that I did early on uh, around 2011, 12, 13, 14, like if I were able to re-listen to those many times, I think I would have uh, gotten a lot of the lessons a lot sooner and it would have been a lot more helpful to me to be able to review that stuff. So I think it's important to, to have some online components now that you can review and listen to. And now it's the technology is there more than ever where we can put videos and audio online. So I think that's an important consideration. If not that, then at least that they let you record with your phone. You could just hit record and, and you know record your class that way to listen to it. But if it's designed to be online and designed to be re-listened and replayed and reviewed, I think that's a nice bonus and something that really helps retain information. So it's not just that you're being talked at for a few hours and then you forget it all, or you remember just a few pieces, or you try to take notes and remember it all, right? So it's important to have some uh, uh, way of recording and reviewing, and uh, if it's online, then it's right there for you. But if it's in person, ask that you can do that. Logistics, you know, make sure that the the schedule does work for you. Usually if it's in person, you can only miss a couple times, right? So that's challenging. Uh, Another thing, you know, I've, as I've, again, I've done many trainings, you spend a lot of time sitting in class, just sitting and, and hearing lecture, which again, I think uh, works better in the online format. I think that's, it's just the time now to transition to that where we're not just sitting in a room listening to lecture for many hours. Uh, we have busy lives and we have the resources now that we can listen on the go. We can listen at our own leisure, at our own time and review things many times over online. So that's nice to have that. But if you really prefer to be in person and, and learn in that environment, make sure the schedule works for you. Make sure the location works for you. You can get there. There's traffic to consider. You know, it's usually um, the schedule, the logistics, the traffic, that, that can be a huge factor. So make sure that works for you as well. The cost, typically yoga teacher trainings are around 3000 So anywhere from like 2500 to 4500 is what you can expect to pay for a teacher training. And I would... I think it's best to, to take, take longer. So I've done nine month trainings, six month trainings, three month trainings. Yeah, I think it's helpful to, to have that time to process and integrate because there is a huge transformation that happens and uh, it's, it's like a flower blooming, right? If you try to rush it, it's, it's, it's not possible. Like it's not fully developed by the end of, for example, like in this example, like three months, it's not really fully bloomed yet to do like this level is like a full 200 hour teacher training, like the, the full thing. If you're doing like a special training, sure, just like a one-off thing, you can do shorter, but learning all this content in just uh, a short time, not always best. You can do immersions. Like some people love that environment where you just spend a month immer immersed in it, but you still need that time to integrate afterwards, right? So consider that how you learn best. Do you like immersions where you just go deep in or do you like time to process and integrate? And just for me, I've seen that it works really well for people to have time to process and community to process with and peers and people to talk to, teachers to talk to uh, that are helping them with that process because doing yoga teacher training brings up all your stuff, right? You're going deep into understanding your psychology, your emotions, your body, 
you know, your breath is so, and you have to address your, your lifestyle choices and, you know, your past your some scars, the, the patterns of the past. So this all comes up. So it's helpful to have a solid container, a teacher who can hold the space well, peers who you can talk to in process with and community resources in that way. And then finally, really all this is irrelevant if your gut just says this is the one and i don't even know why but this is the one i've got to go to i feel drawn to it my gut says yes my heart my head says maybe i don't know but my gut just says yes this was the one go for it trust your gut right so there's just not we don't even know why we get those intuitions and impulses uh we can never know like what's on the other side of that until we just take the step so i encourage you to just Trust that. If it says go here, then go there. And uh, if it if it goes against everything that I just said, then trust it because it's there's a lesson there that you need to learn that you know is right for you, and nobody else uh, can decide that for you. So trust your gut. And if there's this debate of like, well, maybe I should. My head, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Sit and meditate. Do a yoga practice. Right. Get clear. Just give yourself some space from it. So don't try to solve it in your head. Uh, come back to you know come back to it when you feel clear and then just notice does your body contract when you think about going to this particular training or does your body expand when you go think about going to this other training so that's a good biofeedback to kind of know okay my body opens up when i think about doing this my gut says yes i'm going to go for it and then ultimately you know if you're if you get into it and you feel like you made a mistake it's, you know, it's just information and it's a life lesson and you can go to a different training and you can try something else. Ultimately, like there's, it's just experience and uh, you can never have too much experience as a yoga practitioner and as a yoga teacher. So if you decide you go to one training and you don't like it and you take another training, then you get perspective and you realize like what is effective and what's not effective. And that makes you a better teacher and a better practitioner. So ultimately you either win or you lose, you win or you learn, you don't lose, right? So either you complete the training, you find the thing that is perfectly resonant for you and you you do it, or you learn something and then you eventually do find the thing that is resonant for you, right? And so just to review, first thing is why do you want to take a teacher training? Is it for your personal growth, to teach others, right? For me, I didn't even really know if I'd be a teacher. I just knew it was something I wanted to do to learn a lot more about yoga. Think about why you want to be a teacher or why you want to take a teacher training second thing is find a teacher you know like and trust who's experienced and that you resonate with and you want to learn from the third thing is be curious about what their curriculum is and what's the framework that you're learning in is it just random pieces all kind of coming at you or is there a structure that helps you understand exactly where it all fits together the fourth thing is the logistics, so making sure the schedule, the timing, the cost, everything works for you. And then the fifth thing is, what does your gut say? Does it just feel like the right thing to do? So if you want to check out my teacher training that I'm offering on 9919, starting the doors open on 9919, you can check out quietmind.yoga slash YTT and see what I'm up to and see if that resonates with you, right? So I try to address all of these issues in my teacher training and make sure that it's something that you can learn from for years to come. It's in-depth. There's a solid curriculum that takes everything I've learned and systematizes it so you can learn it in a way that all fits together and makes sense and build confidence as a teacher. 
build confidence in your practice. And that just naturally translates into being able to help others have a similar experience, right? So you're going from these phases of student to deepening your practice, to being a teacher. And it's all just a natural progression. It's a natural evolution of your own interest and dedication to your practice. So if you want to check that out, quietmind.yoga slash YTT. And I'll be back next week with another episode of the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. If you're enjoying this, leave a review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, helps people find the show. And thank you for listening and have a great week.